0: Amen. You may be seated. Please take your Bibles this morning and turn to Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8. I hope and pray that you'll join with us next Sunday. We will have part of our service. It'll be a Remembrance Day service. I know it's the day after, but it was the closest date to Remembrance Day. And so next weekend, we will celebrate that together. Then the following weekend, we'll celebrate our 85th anniversary of Bethel Baptist Church. We're looking forward to having the Clark family with us, looking forward to the banquet. Please fill out those little slips you got in your bulletins today and get those in as soon as possible. We need them no later than next Sunday, so we know that we have enough food and enough tables set up for everybody. We're looking forward to a great celebration that night, and then, of course, on the Sunday to follow, uh, we'll have our services all day that day. Looking forward to we'll have a joint Sunday school that day. We'll have everybody in the auditorium at 10 a.m., and we'll continue on with the service right from there, and so we encourage you to be here at 10 a.m., the Clarks will be singing and sharing from the word of God and then we'll have our morning service to follow. Luke chapter 8 verse 43. We're near the end of the chapter here. Luke chapter 8 verse 43. I'm going to go ahead and share with you something very quickly because everybody is asking me and it's just easier to tell everybody all at once. They're saying what is wrong with your leg and so I would appreciate your prayers. A week ago Saturday I was barbecuing, and I wasn't getting any flame, and so I went around the back to see what was going on, and I don't know, you know, grease will drip on that hose there, and I don't know if a squirrel or something was licking that grease and chewed the hole in the hose or what, but the gas was leaking, and I went to shut it off as quick as I could, and it blew up, and uh, so that's why I had a new haircut last Sunday and and all the rest, Uh, but what happened was when I, I fell backwards from it, and I hurt my leg somehow. And I don't know what I did, but throughout this week, it's got worse. And so I would appreciate, I really need your prayers. Uh, it's swelling up quite a bit and things like that. So I would appreciate if you would pray about that. I'm going to be probably pretty stationary today uh, in the pulpit. And uh, I'm just praying, usually after I stand for this little while, it'll, it, it causes me a lot of grief afterwards. So I'd appreciate your prayers this afternoon when I go home. And so if, if, I, if you would indulge me for that second, I appreciate it. Everybody's asking. It's easier than repeating it 40 times, 50 times. But I do appreciate your concern. Don't get me wrong, I really do, but I appreciate your prayers even more. Luke chapter 8, look at verse 43 with us this morning. We're continuing with the miracles of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I chose the book of Luke just to kind of stay in one place and work our way through. This is the 12th miracle we're looking at already, and we're only in chapter 8. Now... I don't want you to be discouraged and say, well, we're going to be looking at this for the next two years. You will find that as the Lord goes into more persecution, there's fewer and fewer miracles that we will find. And, uh, but we are, we are seeing a lot. And isn't it wonderful to know about the power of our God and to hear about his mighty works week in and week out. And we're excited and thankful that he is in the miracle business. I hope that you are trusting God for something big. And that through this series that your faith has been challenged to say, I have a big God. I don't have a little God. I have a big God, and he is able. And I know that he can take care of my smallest needs, and he can take care of my biggest problems. And so we learn to trust in him through the, uh, exploring the miracles of Jesus Christ. Now look at Luke chapter 8, and verse 30, uh, 43. We read this last week because it's right in the middle of the raising of Jairus' daughter. And there was an interruption on his way to Jairus' house, a divine interruption. And it was this lady, and the Bible says in verse 43, and a woman having an issue of blood 12 years, which had spent all her living upon physicians, neither could be healed of any, came behind him and touched the border of his garment, and immediately her issue of blood stanched. And Jesus said, who touched me? When all denied... Peter and they that were with it with him said master the multitude throng thee and press thee and sayest thou who touched me and Jesus said somebody touched me somebody hath touched me for i perceive that virtue is gone out of me and when the woman saw that she was not hid she came trembling and falling down before him she declared unto him before all the people for what cause she had touched him and how she was healed immediately And he said unto her, Daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We pray, Lord, that you've been honored today and glorified. And Lord, that you will now stir our hearts and work amongst us. Lord, I pray, Lord, that each one here came to meet with you today, came to hear from your word, not from some preacher, but to hear from your holy word, a message that would work in their hearts. Perhaps the work's already been done. Just the reading of these six verses perhaps was enough for the Holy Spirit to speak and to move, and the Scripture is far more powerful than anything I can say. And so, Lord, I pray that you just penetrate our hearts and help us today. Father, I want to be used to you, and so I pray that you might speak through me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit, I pray. we we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus, the... Holy Son of God and Israel's Messiah was a great miracle worker. We've seen several weeks now how he was healing persons and casting out demons and doing great works of power that only God in the flesh could do. Here we find him on the way to heal and raise from the dead the daughter of Jairus and while attending to her need, mercy spilled over upon another. Isn't that something that God's grace is so sufficient and his mercy is so overabounding that it just spills over to one in need? Jesus, in fact, really did not minister to her until after she was already healed. She reached out and God touched her life and healed this issue of blood. The woman, as we understand the Old Testament law, was an outcast who was shunned by society. Society. So I don't see that in scripture, but there is an entire chapter in the book of Leviticus that talks about women in the issue of blood and it deals with her condition and she is declared unclean. The scriptures say that everything she touches is unclean and anybody that comes in contact with something that she touches, they too are declared unclean. You understand that in these days, all diseases were passed through the blood. The blood was a The Bible says in the blood is life and in the blood also was carried diseases and so people were very afraid to touch the blood. When they ate of a sacrifice, they were told not to take of the blood, but to drain all the blood. The blood was considered an unclean thing and because of it, this woman was an outcast of society. There was also a mystical view of the blood for... For the Jew, it was blood that was shed to cover their sins on the day of atonement. It was blood that was shed on a regular daily sacrifice as a picture of the penalty of our sin. And so, surely, they must have thought this woman was cursed of God because she had an issue of blood. But she thought there was a cure, she had hope. It's interesting what the scripture says. The Bible says, and a woman having an issue of blood 12 years which had spent all her living upon physicians, neither could be healed of any, comma. I am not the Holy Spirit and I am not Luke who was the human author of this scripture. But if I were, I might have added right there only because she hadn't yet met Jesus. She couldn't be healed of any, Only because she hadn't yet met Jesus. You see, friend, if you know Jesus Christ and you know that Jesus Christ is available, there's always hope. There's always another place to turn to. Often like this lady in scripture, hers by circumstance, ours often by choice, he becomes our last resort when he ought to be our first. When there's a need, we ought to go to him and take him all of our cares. The Bible says, casting all our cares upon him, for he careth for you. And so we must learn that very important principle of scripture. But I want you to notice some things, not necessarily about the miracle this morning. The miracle is found there in verse 44. It came behind him and touched the border of his garment, and immediately her issue of blood stanched. Of all the miracles in the Bible, this one is summarized very concisely, isn't it? In one verse. She came behind him, she touched him, and she was healed. That quickly. But I want you to notice some things about this lady. The first thing that impresses upon my heart this morning is, first of all, she exhausted her resources. The Bible says in verse 43, and we'll just work through verse by verse, a woman having an issue of blood 12 years which had... Look at those next three words. Had spent all her living. She had exhausted her resources. She had used all of her finances, and the Bible says she used them on physicians. The Bible says she had spent all of her living upon physicians. I want you to understand she was not indifferent to her need. There was always hope that she might be healed. And for the 12 years that she suffered with this uh, uh, disease and this predicament that she was in, if there was a cure to be had, she was sure to find it. She'd make a little money and she'd go to another doctor. The Bible uses the word physician there, plural. It was more than one doctor that she saw. And every time she'd get a little money together, she'd go and find another doctor and find another doctor. And the Bible says she had spent all of her living implying that she had a job and she would work just to go to another doctor. But she could not be healed of any. I wonder today if there would be some that would care as much about their soul. We are in a sin-sick place. Even saved today, we are burdened by sin. We carry around a burden that plagues us like this disease this woman carried. And though she went from doctor to doctor and she sought remedy after remedy and spent all that she had looking to be made whole, I wonder if you, friend, today that are so gripped by sin and and beset by that, that sin that only you know about, are you seeking its relief? Do we care enough to invest in our own lives? Do we seek out the great physician in his word on a regular basis? Somebody wrote in a Bible that I owned years ago that this sin will keep you from this book, but this book will keep you from sin. And we must keep in the word of God and we must stand under the preaching of the word of God and we must be influenced by the people of God and we must fellowship with the saints of God and we must make sure that we are setting no unclean thing before our eyes because sin when it gets a grip is just so much more a plague than this disease. You understand that this plague might one day take her life but the plague of sin will send souls to hell. Are we so concerned that we are willing to invest on finances and physicians to heal our wicked souls many will seek fulfillment and they'll seek tirelessly after all that they have and they'll spend uh, they'll spend all that they have to find satisfaction in this life i was reading the other day that the average canadian with their mortgage their car payments this is the average is over in debt I understand a mortgage costs money but it's the mortgage for most of those people was less than 40% of their total debt load think about that that's about $165,000, $170,000 in additional debt beyond their mortgage what are they doing? they're seeking fulfillment in the world they're striving to gather all that they can and to hold on to all that they get and to make sure that they are known by what they have and they're desiring to be accepted in the, with the plague of sin rather than looking for a healing. Isn't that the, the siren call of our day? You must just accept me in my sin. No, 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 there's a healer. There's one that can... Destroy those homosexual tendencies. And there's one that can break you free from the plagues of drugs and alcohol. And there's one that can set you free from pornography and sin. If you'll just come to the Lord Jesus Christ, but the world says, No, you just accept me and I'm going to have a parade and I'm going to. No, 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 no. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Be concerned about your soul, be concerned about your sin. We see that she had exhausted her resources. verse 44 shows us she extended her reach. It just simply says, came behind him, touched the border of his garment, and immediately her issue of blood stained." I want you to notice, first of all, she reached out in humility. The Bible says she came behind him. There were so many. The Bible talks about multitudes here, including Jairus, who thronged the Lord Jesus Christ and I would believe that the desirable position if you wanted Jesus' attention was to stand right in front of him, to block his way somehow, to cry out his name, to, to make sure that he sees the pitifulness of your situation and to see your face and they would lay people before him and they would bring those that were crippled and lame and halt and blind and put them right in the path of Christ. But this woman humbly says, I just need a touch. So she came behind him. One of the things I have noticed echoed throughout these 12 messages is that everyone that came to Jesus came humbly. Everyone. And we can come boldly to the throne of grace, but the word boldly there does not mean with arrogance or a brashness. It means that we have the privilege of coming and that we have the door that has been opened for us because of what Christ has done and covered us in the blood of uh, of his sacrifice and is now sitting at the right hand of the Father. We can come without shame or fear knowing that we'll be accepted of God because we are covered in the blood of Christ. That is what boldness means, but we must also come humbly as a subject before his king. This woman came humbly to the Lord. She reached out in humility. She reached out for the hem. And the Bible says she had obviously, I believe, heard of the power of the Christ and knew that just the slightest brush by could help her. You know, this is just my imagination. But I wonder how many times Jesus in that multitude, as he was just walking and trying to move to the next destination, just simply brushed by somebody and their life was changed forever. Just because of an accidental touch, the the scripture gives us no indication. That's just my mind running. But this woman seemed to know if I can just brush up against him, if I can just get close enough to reach even the hem that is dragging on the ground behind him, then I'll be healed. She reached out in humility and she reached out for the hem, but really she reached out for him. You see, it wasn't about the garment, it was about who was wearing the garment. It was about the Savior, and it was about getting to Jesus in any way that she could, and if if in her weakened state all she could do was reach an arm through the crowd and get a hold of the hem, it wasn't about the hem, it was about the hem. It was about Jesus Christ. It wasn't about the garment, but who was wearing it? And Jesus asked, who touched me? He didn't say, who touched my hem? He didn't say, who touched the very edges of my garment? Who stepped on the edge as I was going by? He said, who touched me? They said, what do you mean everybody's touching you, Lord? You're in a press of a multitude. And he said, no, 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 virtue has gone out of my garment. No, he didn't say that, he said, virtue's gone out of me. You see, there's so many idols out there today there's so many things that people will say if you just, uh, man, I tell you what, one night I couldn't sleep and I made a mistake. I turned on the religious channel and there was some guy on there selling vials of water, another guy selling oil, another guy selling handkerchiefs and I, I've prayed over this. As a matter of fact, I've sweated on this handkerchief. Would you like to purchase that? As matter of fact, we'll be auctioning that off after the service today. Who would want that? But people who are deceived clamor over it. I don't need some hanky from Benny Hinn. I don't need some oil from some false prophet. What I need is I need to get to Jesus. And I had to stay at his feet. And I had to get a hold of his hem. I have a feeling when she touched that hymn, she probably was sorry she ever let it go. As the power of God surged through her body and immediately the issue was stanched and the Bible says she could feel immediately that her life had changed. She reached out for him. Something interesting, this says as a side note. It was normally Jesus who reached out and touched people. But in this case, she reached out for him. Oh, what faith can do. You know, you might be here today and say, you know, it's been so long since I've really felt the presence of the Lord in my life. The Lord hasn't gone anywhere, by the way. Maybe he's just waiting for you to reach out. For you to take that step of faith. For you in obedience to reach out to him and say, I'm just right here, I'm just waiting. To fellowship. He says this, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice, I will come in unto him and I will sup with him. That is not a soul winning verse as so many have misquoted it and used it. That was the church of Revelation and Jesus was on the outside of his own church trying to get back in and fellowship with his people. Oh, how far that church had fallen. Oh, that we might reach out for him. She extended her reach. Here's where I really want to share some things with you this morning. The third thing we see is First, she had exhausted her resources. She had extended her reach, but it exposed her reservations. I want you to get this this morning. Look at the Bible says in verse forty-seven. And when the woman saw that she was not hid, do you know what that implies? It implies she was trying to hide. Uh-oh! I'm revealed. I'm exposed. I thought I did that quietly. I was behind him and nobody knew that I submitted, nobody else has given me up. No disciple has identified me as the one that touched his clothes. As a matter of fact, if you'll look back a little bit, the Bible says in verse 45, and Jesus said, who touched me? Look at the next three words. When all denied. I have to believe that this lady lied because she's part of the all. And when Jesus turned and looked around and said, who touched me? They all with one, not us, not me, not I. No, wasn't me, Lord. It almost felt like it was an offense or something to touch the Lord, and that's not what he meant at all. But she was trying to hide from the presence of the Lord. They denied it. And the woman saw that she was not hid. She humbly had approached him from behind and just desiring privacy and desiring to receive her miracle quietly and without fanfare. And I can understand that and you might be the same way. You know, I, I, I've prayed and asked Jesus Christ to receive me as Savior but uh, please don't ask me to be baptized. I'd rather this just be a quiet thing. I don't, I don't want to make a public profession of my faith. I, I don't want people to know that I've accepted Jesus Christ. Several years ago, we went down to see my wife's family. They would started going to a church, Temple Baptist Church in Lubbock, Texas. The pastor was a fellow by the name of E.L. Bynum. Does anybody know that name? Used to be a radio program, came all the way up into Canada years and years ago by E. L. Bynum. He's about 90 years old now, and finally stepped down from pastoring. And uh, he had actually retired and the church kind of went to pieces and he came back in and pastored it again. And he led my in-laws to the Lord. Well, at this time they were in church and, and they were going to church, but they had not accepted Christ. And we had been talking to George and we we went to visit with him, and we were down there, I guess it was American Thanksgiving. And after service, I went to the pastor and I said, Pastor Bynum, I said, keep working on George. I said I, know, I, I said, I know my mother-in-law's made a profession of faith now. And I said, but keep praying for George. I think he's close. We've been talking to him and, and he kind of looked at me kind of puzzled. Well, that afternoon the phone rang and George went in the other room and we didn't know what was going on. But the pastor called him and said, George, you need to tell him you got saved. He says, they're all worried about you. They're praying for you and they're, they're concerned and, He just wanted to hide it in his heart. He didn't want anybody to know. So that afternoon he came out and he says, well, he says, I got to tell you something. He says, I got saved a couple weeks ago. And he says, I "I just, I I didn't want a big deal about it. And I didn't, he said, I was going to tell you after you went home. He didn't want anybody making a big deal. Didn't want everybody all excited about it. The Bible says, let the Redeemer, of the Lord say so. The Bible says that we are to make a, a public profession of our faith. The Bible says if we confess with our mouths Lord Jesus Christ. What happened after that day was nothing short of miraculous. That was obviously Sunday. On Monday, we'd lose George. We'd say, where'd George go? He was in the other room and he'd come out and he'd have tears running down his face. And he'd say, oh, i got to call that guy and ask him to forgive me. We started calling him Zacchaeus. Because he started making things right. You folks don't know this. But years ago, my father-in-law spent a lot of time in prison. He got in a fight one night, drunk in a bar, and shot a man and killed him. Got charged with Manslaughter. It was self-defense because the other man shot first, but because he unloaded his weapon, he got put in prison. They said it's one shot is self-defense. The rest is manslaughter. I would not tell you this if George were not saved, but he'll tell you this himself. While we were there, he went to the grocery store to get some things for Thanksgiving dinner, and the son of the man he killed was in line behind him. He hadn't seen him in 30 years. Do you, think, do you think God did that by accident? And the man looked at him and says, I, I, do I know you? Have we met before? And George said, oh boy, what am I gonna do? And he turned around and he said, I'm the man that took your father's life. So I want you to know I'm a child of God now. And if you'll forgive me, right in a grocery store. As I was preparing this message, I, I didn't plan on telling you that today. I really didn't. But I can't help but think, how come there was no spiritual fruit in his life before he confessed Jesus Christ? He had come to know Jesus, he trusted Christ as his savior, but we as his family didn't even know he was saved. But the moment he confessed Jesus Christ publicly, things began to change. He was no longer ashamed of Jesus. This woman tried to hide. She would rather not anybody know the Bible says in Psalm 107 let the redeemed of the Lord say so whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy Luke chapter 12 says this also I say unto you whosoever shall confess me before men him shall the son of man also confess before the angels of God she had a concern for comfort she would rather just quietly slip away and that's what many of us want to do I'd love to get saved, I'd love to know I'm going to heaven, but I don't want to testify, I don't want to witness. I'd rather just be comfortable. But instead, we see she made a confession for Christ. That brings us to our last point. She explained her restoration. Look in verse 47. And when the woman saw that she was not hid, look what it says next. Oh, I love this. She came trembling And falling down before him, she declared unto him before all the people, here's a very important part of the scripture right here, for what cause she had touched him. First of all, she explained her disease. For what cause she had touched him. She declared unto all the people. You know, you you might think with the condition this woman had, And I'm thankful that the Bible is a gentleman's book. What I mean by that is the Bible is very delicate in how it puts things. This woman that had the issue of blood, we we all know what this is speaking of and it's not something that we would publicly choose to speak about publicly, would we? And yet the Bible says she declared publicly what caused her to come to Jesus. There was no more any shame Sometimes we're ashamed to get up and say, well, I was nothing but an old drunkard. I was nothing but a drug addict and I was so steeped in sin and immorality and we don't want to talk about those things. But friends, we got to tell what Jesus saved us from because we got young people today that don't believe that God can save them from it. You know, young people today that are dra- dabbling in drugs and alcohol, and they, they say, Oh, Jesus doesn't have that kind of, Jesus can't help me. A preacher, you keep saying, Come to Jesus, and He can touch me. I'm here to tell you there's people in this very room who God saved from alcohol, and God saved from drugs, and God saved for immorality. And our young people need to hear about the very power of God that saved them. Oh, God, get a hold of us. We ought to be ashamed of our sins. But we ought to be so thankful that the Savior saved us from it. That we ought to tell about his mighty power. Hey, how about this? Here's what's so backwards today. We're ashamed of the sins we've been forgiven of, but the sins that are out there in public, everybody's dancing down the streets about. Isn't that something? We ought, we ought to get it backward and get it back the cart before back behind the horse again. They ought to sow some shame for their present sin. We ought to proclaim the power of God over our past sin. Oh, confession. Confess the Lord Jesus Christ. She explained her disease. She explained her deliverance. The Bible says in verse 47, uh, she came trembling and falling down before him. She declared unto him before all the people for what cause she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. But I want you to notice the important thing here. She exposed her deliverer. She didn't leave anything out. When she fell down before him, she declared unto him before all the people for what cause she had done what? She had touched him. It was all about Christ. She didn't say, well, I came here today and my great faith has made me whole. No, Jesus said that. She never said, because I had the courage and the power to reach through the crowd and grab the hem of the garment, I have been healed. She says, no, I, I touched him. That's when I was healed. When I came to Jesus. Years ago when Casey came down with cancer, went and meet with her and I said to her, I said, Casey, I said, let me give you some advice. Don't you ever say I'm going to beat this. I want you to always say God's in control. God can take care of this. I hear so many people today say, well, I'm gonna fight this with everything I've got and I'm gonna, it's not about you. It's about the Lord. Let him fight your battles. I, I, you know, I, this is just a pet peeve I'll share with you. One of the reasons I don't look at Facebook anymore. Every time somebody says they got a prayer request, do you know what people put in the comments? Sending good thoughts. What? What? doesn't sound like you have any thinking ability. Sending good thoughts. What good does that do? Oh, just think good thoughts and you'll be fine. Baloney. I have a great physician. And I will call upon the name of the Lord. And I will trust him to take care of my needs. That's what the woman did. She confessed Jesus. Let me encourage you in conclusion today about the power of your testimony. How did God touch you? Has God worked in your life? Let me ask you this, do other people know about it? Not for your glory, not for you to elevate yourself. As a matter of fact, you have to do a lot of humbling in order to give a proper testimony. Because you gotta talk a lot about where God brought you from. But it might give hope to somebody else to find out like this woman. All I had to do was come to Jesus. And I had to trust him explicitly and I had to uh, only put my faith in him and he touched my body and he made me whole. Where's your testimony? And when your testimony comes out is the power of God evidenced in it? Let's bow our heads and close our eyes this morning. If God has spoke to your heart and I hope that he has and pray that he will, would you do business with God during this invitation time? Are you afraid to give a testimony for the Lord Jesus Christ? Are you afraid to confess before all the people like this woman did? Oh, but there's some things we don't talk about, pastor. You don't have to talk about them if Jesus has taken care of them. Instead, you can sing his praises and give him all the glory. It's not who you are. It's what you used to be. And thank God for it. Maybe there's some here today that are struggling. Like this woman concerned, don't be indifferent about it. Come and do business with God. Let's stand to our feet this morning and maybe somebody here today needs to reach out for him and get a hold of his garment. Oh, let God speak to your heart today. Brother Baker's gonna sing. This altar's open even now. (laughs)